Oh, I'm sorry, Ben. Usually you yeah. bring us in uh, hey, and don't I, even wait. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to today. I'm just going to sit here quietly. May not say anything this whole time. I'm just going uh, to let you two go for it. Yeah, so I apologize for that awkward pause in the beginning. Usually I just black out and let Ben bring us in, but apparently it's my job today yeah. uh, because I'm really excited. Uh, a really, really dear friend of mine is in today as we continue this preparedness series. Uh, we talk about, okay, how how as uh, parents, how as even individuals, even if you don't have a family, um, how can you make sure that you are prepared for worst case scenarios? How, how can you be prepared for just unforeseen circumstances that, that um, inevitably happen? It may not happen to you, but there are things that happen. And how do you prepare and how are you ready to handle those situations when it happens? And so today we are going to be talking about preparing and and having your home prepared for when disaster strikes whether it be fire whether it be um you know a medical emergency with your child you know if you've got a pool i know everybody in texas i mean live in the pool in the summers um but how do you handle those things if your kids are just eating and if they choke on something just a handful of things and so we've got my dear friend uh, Captain Chris Caver uh, with the Carrollton Fire Department, and I want to go. I want to. I want to. I want to hear kind of your story. You've got a really cool story, you know, growing up and and the example of what a father figure uh, is. And he's just a great man, and I've gotten to know him as well. Um, but I, I do want to brag on you. And so this man sitting to my right, I thought Ben was the most disciplined guy that I'd really been around, and like, but this dude. Is shame, huh? this dude? Yes. Okay. So we're down in South Texas at the river, and this is like okay, parents' weekend. Have fun. It's like like the like the ultimate Texas experience. You got country music concerts. You're floating the river. It's amazing, right? And this guy is taking two hours a day going back up to the house to study for his captain's test. Oh, wow. Like, while we're all out there drinking ranch waters just and being, floating in the river. Just slumming it. And, and no, he has the discipline to do that. And so, and again, that's very consistent with with everything that he does. And and so Chris and I, we, we coach our kids sports together. Uh, and I'm going to, you know, obviously let you talk here for a quick second here in a minute, <laughs> and I'll continue talking after that. But, uh, but Chris um, – was he and his wife Rachel were really the first family that we met when we moved up to Salina, um, and we immediately connected because Chris also has four children mm. and he also has twins. Their twins are older, so same age as my oldest son, and then they've got two born. So immediately we had a tremendous amount of respect for them for having children after having twins. Um, so, but the greatest thing about the Cavers are they love they are not love. They are totally fine living in chaos, just like us. It's constant. And so when we hang out, it's like Chris is here. If something happens, it's all fine because he'll take care of them. Right. But like it's never – It's you know you know those people where it's like you're on edge all the time because you're not sure what your kids are going to do. And yeah. like it's like it's like we can be truly authentic with the caver. So, man, thank you for coming in and yeah, absolutely. shining some light on, on how we can make sure our homes are safe places for our families. But like I said, I want you to kind of go back, dude. Where where are you from? And then you know, talk to us kind of through your role models early on, and and you know, the things. And I'm leading you on to which specific one. But 
Yeah. So, yeah. So I grew up out in West Texas in Midland. Um, and my dad was a Texas Ranger, the uh, law enforcement kind. You work with Chuck? Kind. I, he, you know what? When they were doing a, I don't know if it was the show or if there was a movie, but he got to kind of come on and consult a little bit. And he, ah, did he really? But so pretty they, much they do, Walker, Texas Ranger is based on your dad. I mean, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, cool. Roundhouse, yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. Nuts, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, he, uh, you know, he was such a, a big role model for me and, and showing, you know, just always a heart of, of service. And, mm-hmm. and even though, you know, I can tell, I can tell now looking back on it, how stressed he was with that job and just mm-hmm. how, how difficult it was. Um, but you know, he, he sacrificed that, uh, to serve. Mm-hmm. And so I think just that, that heart of service is just innate in us because of that. And so, uh, I knew law enforcement wasn't really for me. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't want to go that route. Uh, but I did have some other family members out in East Texas that that were firemen, and they kind of talked to me about about the job. And yeah, uh, sorry, the mic, the mic, yeah, just the sliding on me. Yeah, just there you go. Um, East but Texas, had, yeah. Yeah, so I had some uh, some relatives in East Texas that are firemen, and they talked mm-hmm. to me about the job and and kind of all that's involved in it. And I didn't really have any exposure to it before then, mm-hmm. but it sounded awesome, mm-hmm. and so I kind of went that route and uh, actually. Pulled my brother in because he mm-hmm. was he was studying criminal justice. He was going to be a police officer, and I told him no. I said, "This is what you want to do. I promise <sighs> you, this will be more fun." And so uh, he actually got hired on the same department as me, and mm. we've been doing it for. I, I just hit thirteen years. I think he's got eleven or twelve. So, so so you're a captain, and you were just promoted, and this is like this is a big this is a big deal being a captain um, within a fire department, right? Uh, above captain, you have what? So after captain, it would be a battalion chief. Okay. Um, and they handle some shift work, but also administrative duties. Uh-huh. Um, and then after that, you go to assistant chief, and then ultimately the fire the, chief. the big fire chief, the big dog. Yeah. Dang. So, so what's the entry level position called? Just firefighter. Okay. Just firefighter tailboard. Um, they're kind of the guys that can either ride on the engines, or they'll be. Um, in our case, we run our own ambulance service, so mm-hmm. they'll be paramedics also, okay. ride on the ambulance. Uh, so, yeah. So what's the what's the process of moving up in the ranks? Like, is it a certain amount of time? Is it testing? What is it? Yeah, it it, it varies by department, but uh, we're a civil service department, and so it is strictly testing based. There's no interviews. There's no uh, scenarios. Um, they kind of take some of the subjectivity out of it, mm-hmm. uh, which is good and bad. But sure. um, but really, that's that's why I had to study so hard is because it it, it was all about just that that test. Okay. Wherever you score on that test. As promotions become available, they'll hire off of that list. Mm-hmm. It's good for one year. So if you don't promote within that year, then you got to take the test again that, the following year. Isn't that wild? Like, so you could literally crush the test, right? You know, score a hundred percent, and you're that next dude in line. But if if there's not a captain that either retires or moves, then you got to do it again. Yeah, and yeah. the test changes like Keep every year. Every year, huh? Yeah, yeah. And it does happen. And you took it. Twice, right? Uh, not the captain's test. Not the, okay. The driver okay. test, I, okay. the first time I scored, I think it was a 97. Uh-huh. And that was good. It put me third on the list, and I didn't promote. Only uh-huh. two promoted. So I was like, okay. Like, I, I got to – you pretty much – it's different than any other test you, you've studied for because, you know, in, in college and stuff, you study just to pass. Mm-hmm. Right? But this, I mean, I, I explained to my wife because she's always like, you, you know what, you can stop, take a break. I said, no, like, you have to study to score a perfect score like that. Yeah. That's your end goal because you have to be number one on that list to feel confident. Or at all. yeah, if if you're five, it was a waste of time. It could be, yeah, yeah. And you know, like, well, I get I get to do this all over again next year. Yeah. So, uh, using a little bit of that motivation kind of helps you. Like, mm-hmm. all right, I got to hammer down and and get this done now mm-hmm. so that I don't have to deal with it next year. Yeah. Walk us through because 
coming from California, it's a different process getting hired, just starting entry level into it because you have to go to the academy and then you test in and then you interview and all that. In Texas, isn't it a little different how you get into fire? Again, that kind of varies. Like our, our department, uh, we accepted guys that were not certified in fire or EMS, mm-hmm. uh, which worked for me because I wasn't. So mm-hmm. I had to find a department that was willing to put me through both. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, we've transitioned to now where we require you to have either a fire or a paramedic certification. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of cities only want paramedics or they only want already certified mm-hmm. firefighters. So it, it just kind of depends. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, each city varies on what kind of services you kind of focus on. Carrollton, you know, you may be on a couple dozen fires a year, right? And then, but most of them are medical calls in, in, yeah. in a city like Carrollton. And again, for those of you not in DFW, not familiar with that, Carrollton's a suburb of Dallas. Um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice city. Um, you know, like any city, right. There's, there's areas that, um, you know, maybe are not as nice as others, but you go down to like Dallas and it's a completely different, different, um, like focus down there. Right. It's all trauma almost in Dallas, right. It's fires all the time. Like you may get two or three fire calls a, a day, a shift, right? I mean, yeah, they, they stay busy with, with their fires. Whereas, yeah. yeah, like you said, we don't, we just don't get that many. Yeah. Uh, I think probably about 80% of the calls we make are, are EMS based. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of that's just, you know, our advances in mm-hmm. building codes and fire protection equipment. So if, if they are starting they're they're usually put out pretty quickly before we can get there and we kind of yeah. come in and just make sure it, it's yeah. okay. Um, so that, that's good, but you know, yeah. we always yeah. enjoy the dirty work. So anytime <laughs> we get a chance, we're, we're not too upset about yeah. it. So, so in your department, what does a day, day to day look like? You're, how, how many hours are you on? How many hours are you off? What are you doing typically throughout the day? What does that look like? We're there for 24 hours. So we'll get in at 7 a.m. and we'll stay the entire day till 7 a.m. the next day when, when the next crew comes on. Um, and, you know, during the day we try to stay busy. Sometimes we'll have classes, whether it be EMS or, or fire classes. Uh, we'll try to do some sort of training um, and, and just kind of work on, work on our skills and our crafts. Um, all the while, you know, making calls mm-hmm. in between. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it really is like a home away from home. And we'll, you know, we'll try to go to the grocery store and get, get meals for the day, and we'll cook as, as time allows. Yeah. If we're busy, super busy, we'll go eat out for, for meals. Um, and, you know, when, and we're sleeping there at night. Although I, I tell everyone it's like I equate it to a, a mom with a newborn kind of sleep. I'm about to have to get up in the next yeah. five minutes. So oh, yeah. it's, never, it's never good sleep. Right. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, that they, they kind of the crew that you work with, they're kind of a, a second family. I mean, you guys rely on each other so much, and mm-hmm. you got to trust one another, and and so you build a, a a pretty cool bond. I mean, it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a very tight knit. Seems like a very tight knit community. Like a, a lot of firefighters, I guess, because you connect with each other, and you know, even if you're in different departments, it seems like y'all are very almost like a locker room. You know, back yeah, when you were playing but, ball. But I, it maybe even on another level, right? Because if if you go into a scenario. I mean, it, look, the difference is, is, is firefighters, police officers, right? There's life and death situations mm-hmm. where a locker room, it's okay. Hey guys, we got to win, right? There's focus on that. And I need to trust you that you've got my back so that we can win. In in Chris's uh, scenario, it's, I need to trust you so that I don't get in a situation where my kids don't have a father, yeah. 
type of deal. Yeah. yeah no. I, and so, and so that struggle, yeah. right, definitely makes you closer for sure, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am curious how – is there any preparation for that first call that's just overwhelming? I mean, it, you know, you, you kind of have almost have to turn it off, that, that human emotion, I would imagine. What's that like, maybe your first call that you go out that's pretty serious, and, and how do you handle that? You just you kind of have to have a personality of being able to separate yourself from what you're seeing, mm-hmm. um, keep your head clear, stay focused, and and you know do your job. and And for the most part, we we do a really good job of that. Mm-hmm. We're able to kind of set that stuff aside, um, suppress the, the emotions, mm-hmm. work on the things that that we've we've trained on, mm-hmm. and you know after the fact we can address those things um, and kind of check on everyone. You know how how are you doing after something like this? You know focused a lot on mm-hmm. mental health now yes. uh, from, from some of these things that we see. Cause we do see a lot of, a lot of tragic things, unfortunately, but you know, we, we do a lot of training and we pride ourselves, especially on our EMS mm-hmm. uh, and being able to, you know, focus on, okay, we've got a job to do here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though this might be a kid and yeah, it looks, he looks a lot like my kid. I can't focus on that right now. I gotta, I gotta worry about taking care of this kid. Mm-hmm. I can, I can deal with that later on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and we'll kind of talk about when we get into preparing for an emergency in your home. I mean, it, it'll be the same thing. It's like the more you, you work on that mm. stuff, it kind of helps you to to stay focused and, and objective in that, that situation and handle it a lot better. Yeah, I've got some some cousins in the fire department. I've got some friends in the police department. And, and the phrase I've heard is you're meeting people on their worst days in many cases. And then you, and then you have to pack up from that situation, go back to the station, go back to your next, and then you're probably doing it again very soon. So it's, I could see how it could just be beat you down mentally. Do y'all have people that you can talk to outside of the department that they can kind of, you can download with? Uh, yeah. So we've, we've really, like I said, started to, to focus more on the mental health side of, of everything, uh, kind of helping guys deal with stress. Um, I think they've seen a little bit of an uptick in, in suicide from from uh, firefighters. And so we do have an outside party that will, after uh, what they consider a significant event, they'll bring in, mm. we'll sit around, um, kind of help you decompress, kind of they'll tell you some things to, to watch out for, give everyone a chance to kind of talk about how they're feeling, you know, what they saw, and kind of just work together to kind of, get those those emotions out instead of keeping them bottled in yeah. so that way we can kind of move past it. Yeah. Mm. Is there yeah. like a stigma against that? Like a, like a macho man type? I don't want to talk to anybody. I, I'm, you know, I'm good. I think it used to be. I think yeah. that mm. that was kind of the perception. So you didn't talk about that stuff because, you know, we're, we're men here. We don't mm-hmm. do that. That's right. And so, um, you know, luckily we're we're slowly moving away from that and, and realizing it's, it's okay to, to talk about that mm. stuff. That doesn't change who you are, what your capabilities are. Like, you know, if anything, that's... That's helping you out because I'm sure we carry a lot more stress than we even realize. Yeah. Um, and doing this job now, I can kind of appreciate my dad and, you know, I, our relationship wasn't, was rocky sometimes. And, and now I'm able to realize, God, he, he had so much stress that mm. he couldn't express that I probably didn't realize. And so now that I'm, I'm in it, I, I'm a little more aware of that. And it also kind of helps me to, to watch out for that stuff at home. If I feel sure. like maybe I'm being a little too short with the kids and, and they don't deserve it. And like, mm-hmm. is this something I'm just, I'm bringing in from work. So yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely something to be aware of. And I'm glad that it's something we're kind of um, addressing a little more, being a little more proactive with it. So. Yeah. Talk about leadership, right. And, and moving into and being promoted to captain, um, 
the leadership responsibility greatly increased. What are some of the things that you've learned one prior to being a captain and you're like, all right, here's, I wish that some of the things that were implemented by the leaders that, you know, led me. And then now that you're there, some of the things that you've learned since being there. It, it's definitely different. I mean, you, before you kind of come in and there's, there's someone else that you can, that you're kind of relying on to come up with a plan for the day, uh, kind of what, what you guys need to work on. And so you can kind of just kind of sit back and mm-hmm. let them take the reins. But now it's like, I, I have to be the one with a plan, you know, cause if I don't, then no one else will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's been a little different. Um, but you know, just trying to, trying to come into it, not acting like, okay, I'm in charge. So I, I must know everything now, mm-hmm. but like knowing that I've still got guys that are very knowledgeable and experienced and, and I don't have to know everything. Like I can rely on them for a lot of the stuff. Um, and just kind of, you know, let them do their thing without trying to micromanage or, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, it's my way or the highway kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, but so so for the most part, it's just been getting to know my guys, knowing their strengths, their weaknesses, and then kind of seeing how I can support them. And because they they they're great at what they do and mm-hmm. they know their job, and so just how I can support them and help make their job uh, easier. Mm. So what you're saying is, it works leading from a position of humility and service <laughs> it actually it actually works that's crazy yeah. talk. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> nonsense <laughs> you, you mentioned bringing it home and, and how you separate that and and I, I can only imagine how difficult that must be for you and for people listening maybe they're not in the fire department but they have other stressful jobs and they're trying to figure out good ways to cope and 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 separate the two what are some things that you do what are some active steps that you take on that drive home, because it sounds like you go from Carrollton back home, which is, you know, 30, 40 minute drive. I mean, mm-hmm. is that your decompression time? How do you mitigate from and leave stuff at work and not bring it home? Yeah, I, you know, I think the main thing, the biggest thing is to really just find you something that you can do on your on your time off to kind of help you to decompress some of that. Like, I know for a little while there, I was trying to play a lot of golf. It's like, this is my this is my outing. This is my time to just kind of go out and get a little just alone time, just kind of relax, let some of that stress out. Um, so I think just finding an activity that you enjoy doing, mm-hmm. just making some, some time for yourself. Um, and you know, it helps that, that my wife, her dad was a, a fireman also. And so I think she kind of knew she gets the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What all was involved, kind of the stuff he dealt with. And so I think she knew it was very important to allow me kind of have some me time so she's not nagging you for going golf you're home for two days here's you got this 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 and this i need done before you go back to work yeah no that does happen sometimes sure sure yeah no she's she's been very supportive of that's great yeah get find you something that you enjoy doing take some time to do that um and and going back to like the studying like she knew how important that was and so she would take the kids out of the house and and just leave me um and, and support me. And, and that's, you know, that's huge. You got to have a good support system mm-hmm. at home, no matter what it is you're doing or else it just adds to the stress. Sure. So. Man, she sounds awesome. Yeah. She's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Love you, Rachel. Um, all right. So let's, let's dig into kind of the, the topic of the day and, and preparedness. Um, so one of the first times we hung out, um, Chris and, and my wife started talking and, talking about like just things in the house like it blew our minds like on on just like basic simple things and making sure that you're prepared in case 
of mm-hmm. like in the, a couple of these instances, fire. So let's let's start on the fire side of it. Um, as as a in a home or apartment, you know some basic things. You know, if you and let's let's just assume that kids are in the home. Um, what are some basic things that individuals can do to position themselves as best as possible in the event of a fire? I, th- I think the most important thing is just to have a plan. Mm. You know, uh, most people kind of have the mindset of that's not going to happen to me. That happens yeah, to other people. Yeah, that's you know, there's, and there's a good chance that, that they're right. That may never mm-hmm. happen to them. Like we said, the fires, they're just few and far between nowadays. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having that mindset, you're kind of rolling the dice, like just, just hoping that, mm. that it doesn't turn out that way. Um, or they think that, well, it's easy. All I got to do is just get out. Like, how, mm-hmm. how hard is that? Um, and that's where I think shows like Chicago Fire yeah. have kind of, <laughs> kind of given people a false sense of, of what it's actually like. Because, yeah. you know, they show the inside of, of a building on fire. And there's just some, some things burning, but it's clear as day. And, mm-hmm. you know, no big deal. But that's not, that's not the environment at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's tons of smoke. Uh, we have a hard time seeing. I mean, it, it's just... You don't have all the time in the world. It's not as simple as just dodging all the flame and just walking right out the front door. Uh, so you, you have to come up with a plan. Um, and for us, especially having kids, like it, it's, it's super important because, uh, I mean, the adults are, are probably going to panic a little bit, but the kids, yeah. 100%, you know, yeah. they're, there's no telling what they'll do. and Freeze. That's, and, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a scary moment for them. So just kind of coming up with, with – a plan of what to do in, in those situations mm-hmm. and then practicing it with them so that they feel more comfortable, um, you know, when, when that time comes and, and just having that plan and then over and over and over going over mm-hmm. it, giving them different scenarios, not necessarily just, okay, we're going to do a fire drill, everybody out the front door. Okay. Yeah. Fire drill again, everybody out the front door, but kind of changing it up a little bit. Like, okay, the fire is here. Where should we, where should we exit? Mm. And kind of allowing them to to work through it and and think about, okay, you know, if it's here, maybe I should do this. And using that that, that cognitive thinking, uh, mm-hmm. and that way, whenever a fire does happen, because you can't determine where it's going to be, yeah. Yeah. then it allows them to kind of do the same thing. Okay, it's here. I probably don't need to go out the front door because that's where mm-hmm. it's at. Oh, yeah, I remember I can go out the back door. And so then they'll choose that instead of just reverting to, what they practiced over and over. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And we literally had this conversation like two nights ago, kind of in, t- in anticipation of this. We're like, we haven't talked to the kids in a long I time about it. I haven't said a thing. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking I'm, I'm an idiot. Yeah. I, I don't have a plan. Oh, we haven't, we, it's not even a conversation. I mean, it's, it, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. How dumb is that? Yeah. <laughs> I've but, got three well, kids at but home. To your and point, I just don't though, even think about it. To your point, though, okay, you could talk through it once, right? And that, that's what this was the first time we've like talked through it. And the responses we got from my 11 year old and my nine year old, and especially our six year old, Rocco, my, my son, is I'm just going to punch out the window. That was, their, <laughs> that was their solution. Or, you know, like, and then my 11-year-old who's like, all right, maybe that's that's going to be kind of tough, but like, why don't I just go out the front door? It's like, okay, what if the fire starts in the pantry and the hallway out, you can only go out your window. What do you do? Or the garage or, you know, there's all these scenarios. Like, for example, our next door neighbor, literally that we share a property line, their house has been struck by lightning twice twice there was another house in downtown salina last year that was struck by lightning and the whole thing pretty much the whole thing burned down 
And one of the kids was in the house when it happened. So again, you never know to your point, like, yeah, what is the chance of being struck by lightning? Well, you know what? My next door neighbor, it's been struck twice. Yeah. So, so again, but talking through your kids and then the different scenarios is really important is okay. Hey, if it's in mommy and daddy's room and then my, my nine-year-old was like, well, we'll just go in. We'll go to the safe room. I was like, no, 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 no. Don't lock yourself into a box. That's not what we want to do. <laughs> well, then we'll come get you. It's like, no, we're, oh, no, look, if mommy and daddy do not come to you, you've got to go outside and you've got to go away from the house and you've got to wait for us. But like no concept. Right. And, and we gave them a lot. And I'm not dogging my kids. I'm not kind of him, but they just, it's a totally different concept for them. And yeah, like, how are they supposed to know unless you yeah, talk about what it? Is, yeah. What is a scenario? Because they've never ran right. through it. Yeah, it's funny. At school, like growing up at school, you have fire drills. That's what you do. But I've never once I don't, in my life. Do they life, still do that? Honestly, do they still do it at schools? Should, yeah, I think I think they're required by I law. I think they are, yeah. I just I, I just remember how many fire drills and that we ran through. Yeah. It was just like, and I don't know, I don't ever hear my kids talk about it ever. Like the whole stop, drop, and roll deal that right. we used to go through all the time. Remember those programs? Oh, it yeah. was so, oh, yeah. But, but I've never once done a fire drill at my house, not even as a kid growing yeah. up myself, and certainly never done it as an you adult. Should, so hey, tonight at like 2 a.m., start banging, banging pans. <laughs> There's a fire! There's a fire! Everybody's going to die! So so when you say have a plan, is that what you're referring to? Like have this discussion with your, with your family. Hey, if there's a fire here, go out this way. Is that what you're talking about yeah, when you exactly. say have a plan? Like going over, okay. Here, here are the ways we can get out, you know, whether it be the front door, the back door, the garage. Um, you know, if, if you have a single-story home, you know, you can go out the window. Just kind of giving them these different exit options mm -hmm. and then giving them, okay, so if a fire is right here, what exits should we not use and what exits would be best to use? Mm -hmm. And so they can kind of make those connections. Okay, you know, if it's here, I don't I don't need to go that way. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're creatures of habit as adults. As, Humans, yeah. And so, you know, they studies show that we are most likely to try to exit the same way we've we've come in. And that it, whether that's the furthest one away, whether it's the one we shouldn't be choosing, whenever there's an emergency, that's what we tend to do is just revert to what we know. And, and so we're going to use that that exit that, that we came in from. And mm -hmm. so trying to keep them from from doing that, from just reverting to what what they just know but helping them to stop and, and think for a second and then make a, a better choice based off yeah. of, of well that speaks to the importance of a, of a plan and practice yeah because if you practice the right way now you're going to revert to the right way yeah so to your point if you never practice this you've never talked about how are your how's your nine-year-old gonna know i don't need to go to the safe room i need yeah. to go yeah so that's just such i mean it's so it's so dumb yeah like, i mean obvious. it's similar <laughs> like football like i'm sure you guys those high stress scenarios a two-minute drill like that's mm -hmm. the stuff you hammer over and over so mm -hmm. that way when yeah. you're when you're confronted with it you're able to stay calm you're able to think through it and and make the right choices yeah and so it's no different here like that's a that's a high stress situation mm -hmm. so the more you work on it the more calm they're going to be able to stay they're going to be able to think through it and then that's going to ultimately lead to a better outcome mm. so i do have a two-story house flex uh and my kids <laughs> i don't think that's a i don't think that's a good thing <laughs> and my I think kids peasants only buy two-story <laughs> houses now <laughs> yeah exactly sorry chris i know you have a two-story house and too. all my kids <laughs> sleep upstairs so my wife and i are downstairs they sleep upstairs and they're you, six do you not love and, your children yeah that's right <laughs> the newborn's with us but the six and the three-year-old are upstairs so they can't get downstairs. What's the what's the conversation there? They're both their windows face. I mean, I guess there's a roof portion that they could step out onto, but what's the conversation with those two on the second floor? Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly my my situation. All our kids are upstairs. We're downstairs. 
um, and we've kind of got that open area concept so that any any fire downstairs all that smoke is just going mm-hmm. upstairs so there's a good chance they're not going to be able to get get downstairs so uh, that's where as, as a parent you kind of have to have a, a backup plan where you can tell them hey if you open that door the door feels hot don't open it if you do open it you see a lot of smoke starting to come in shut it and just talk to that. Stay put. Talk to that. <laughs> we, okay, you just said open the door. This, yeah. And this was one of the things that you shared with us because our kids love sleeping with their doors open. Yes. They don't like the door closed. Talk through talk through the, the kids' rooms, doors being open versus closed. So we, we do teach a, uh, we call it a close before you doze, um, mm-hmm. where we, we stress the importance of, of closing doors before you go to bed. Uh, and the reason is, and there's actually, there's a really good picture that um, that shows two bedrooms that are, side by side in a hallway and one door closed and one open and they have a fire in the hallway and you can see just the amount of damage done to the the door that was open versus the door that was shut and so just by closing that door and isolating yourself it it buys you so much time Mm. um so the fact that that they're going to be asleep they may not know when Mm. you know it may be maybe too late by the time they they wake up to these smoke alarms Mm. having that door shut is going to keep them safe keep them isolated and, and buy them a lot more time than if it was open and already starting to, to fill up with all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about like some things you can have on hand in preparation of a fire. Like I remember as a kid, there's some class maybe elementary school or middle school talked about like these, uh, fold out ladders that you can put on your second story. What are some just basic stuff that you can have on hand for this type of situation? I mean, the biggest thing that we cannot stress enough is smoke detectors. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's so many homes that I go into that, Detectors have been disconnected. Uh, yeah, but when they beep when you're trying to sleep, because oh, <laughs> you haven't replaced the battery. Which, I can't which, be let me tell you, Rachel hates that sound more than anything. Yes. Like if she if someone was willing oh, to torture her, yeah. they put her in a room with a beeping low battery alarm, like she'd, she'd turn on all Do y'all watch Modern Family? That show, Modern Family? Yes. There's a good episode. The whole episode's about. Dude, I've lived that episode <laughs> I, more times. Trying to figure out which, which one. I've lived that episode more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Yeah, but, but those are so important because it gives you that early notification. Yeah, and um, I kind of put my lab coat on here. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of science to all this, and which I had no idea till I got into it, and, and it's really been kind of fascinating. Um, but fires today are so much different than they were even you know 30, 40 years ago. There's a there's a video that shows a a room that is furnished with like couches and things that you would have found in the the 80s mm-hmm. and then there's one that has more modern day furnishings they light the same fire in the same place and they they show a side by side of how long it takes each room to to flash over which is when the entire room is involved in fire mm-hmm. uh the home with the the 1980s legacy furnishings it, it takes them it takes about 25 minutes for that whole room to fill up the one with the modern stuff it took it about three and a half to four minutes Oh my what? God. And that's, it's just due to all the synthetics that materials are made of now, the plastics, uh, the, the stuff is breaking down a lot faster. Wow. Like, huh. like most of the smoke you see coming out of a building from a fire is not from the fire itself. It's from the materials around huh. that are breaking down, releasing those products in the air. Before the flame even touches it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. And so, and that, that smoke is, it's toxic. I mean, that's what most people who succumb to a, a structure fire like it's it's the smoke smoke inhalation mm. it's not uh. the flame uh, and it's just because there's so much of it it's so toxic it's got those you know gases in it the, the tars the oils i mean just everything that mm. so just one breath and and it's going to render you you know unconscious so Oof. 
the smoke detectors are such a big deal, making sure that the batteries are good. Um, it used to be, you know, change the batteries every, every time you change your clock. But, uh, you know, most of, most of the detectors now are hardwired to the home, and the battery is just more of a backup. So really, if you're, if you're just doing that once a year, changing those mm. batteries, that, that should be plenty. Um, but also making sure they're in the right locations, uh, making sure that they're still, uh, you know, they still work. Yeah. Most people don't know that the, yeah, detectors, them. that they only have a, a shelf life of maybe 10 years. But really, you're mm. looking at probably like six to eight years. Mm. Um, and they need to be replaced after that. And they should have a date on the back of them. If you're not sure how old yours is, you can just pop it down, look, and, and see uh -huh. that date written on the back. And, yeah, once you hit that time, it, it needs to be replaced. That's a good point because we bought a house a year or two, two years ago, and we were the second owners. The original house was built, I think, 2004. And so these are all original. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining original. So that's a good point of mm – -hmm. it's not even something I thought about. Let's, mm -hmm. let's go check the – what about um, – so you said fire alarms. What, what are some other things equipment-wise that you can have on hand? It's always good to have some sort of extinguisher in the home, mm -hmm. uh, especially, you know, near the kitchen. Because, I mean, the kitchen is where, where about 50% of, of home fires occur. Mm -hmm. uh, so just having one within reach. And that's something that you can go buy at just a hardware store, just a small. Um, we recommend, like, a, an extinguisher that's rated for an A, B, or C fire. So that will cover your, your ordinary combustibles like your wood and your paper but also you can use it on uh, an electric fire so if you have an electric outlet you know mm -hmm. obviously you don't want to throw some water on that so uh, the abc is really just a, a dry chemical just powder mm -hmm. kind of ones you see yeah. mostly on, yeah. on mm -hmm. tv but um so having that is one that you can use on multiple types of fires and so mm -hmm. it's a little more foolproof mm -hmm. so if you're going to get one that's that's probably the way to go and yeah having it within the vicinity of, of the kitchen is probably best mm -hmm. yeah um but just something that's accessible and, you know, and you got to check that thing every now and yeah. then too. Yeah. If you don't, I, I yeah. Mean, you know. yeah. So well, <laughs> it was funny when we were having this conversation, it, you know, the, a grease fire came up and, and water. my wife, my wife's like, yeah, you just put water on it. <laughs> the sink's right there. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so what is, what is something to have? Like, let's just say you don't want to, you, you've got a, a, a flame in a pan and it's starting to get bigger and you're like, oh, oh, oh crap. Like, but I don't want to blast my kitchen with a fire extinguisher. What Are there any other, like maybe household things that you can use to, to put out a fire, like a grease fire or something like that? Yeah. If you've just got like a, an oversized lid, something that's going to cover it completely and exclude that oxygen, mm -hmm. that'll help smother it. Um, I've, We've had a home where I, I went in and just got a, one of their dish rags, got it wet, and then just laid it over the top. Mm -hmm. um, or I have seen they, they do make, there's a company that makes uh, fire blankets. Okay. And there's some that a lot of people attach to, like, the side of their fridge or uh. in the pantry door, and it's in a nice, neat little package. And if something happens, you just pull it out, unfold it, and just lay it over the top. Uh. Really all you're trying to do is just find a way to smother the fire, exclude the oxygen, and, it, and you know, it'll put itself out. Yeah, you're talking about preparation reduces bad decisions when you're panicked. I panicked one time, and uh, I wish I would have thought of a lid or yeah. a rag. I took a big thing of flour and just dumped it on there, and it worked, but now you're cleaning up flour everywhere. Yeah. So <laughs> so Tyler mentioned your neighbor's lightning strike twice. That's mm -hmm. crazy. What mm -hmm. are some of the leading causes of, mm -hmm. of, obviously, kitchen sounds like is a big one, you know, cooking, mm -hmm. things like that, but what are some of the leading causes of household yeah. fires? The majority, yeah, like I said, 50% are, are, are kitchen-related. 
And then your other two big ones are going to be like candles or, or heating elements, mm. um, hot water heater, furnace, that, that kind of thing, or electrical, mm-hmm. um, electrical shorts. Uh, that, that's usually what we see, just yeah. things overheating, burning out. Um, and, 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 yes, older homes maybe are more susceptible to that. But, like, we have a newer – our house was built in 2017 – and and we had just done we'd done some work um in our like family room and there was a problem with it so we had to like pull it out and redo it and literally there was one contractor that did it the second contractor we came back he came back and did it and he looked at us and he goes i don't know how your house has not burned down Mm. and we're like what and he showed us and he had literally just cut electrical wires he didn't cap it he didn't do anything so you're talking like a new home and it's like right up against insulation and i mean it literally could have lit up and he goes i don't know how i know that's what and you you we would never would have thought of that like oh yeah he took care of it whatever so i think one thing that i will say and i'm not an expert by any means but if you are doing any electrical work and both just make sure you've got an eye on them. Make sure that, hey, listen, everything is done to code. Because a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, is like, hey, let me just get, let me get the homeboy hookup from and when you're off, when you're, you know, you're off your shift, come back and you know, I'll pay you cash to do this. Make sure that it's done to code because, like you say, that that could be a huge, huge hazard. And I, I we're just glad that we saw the house. Yeah, when you're when you're buying a house, especially an older home, is there a way to know like electrical wire? I mean, obviously you can't be knocking down, yeah. down sheetrock, but is there a I way to know? I haven't bought this yet, but I'm going to cut <laughs> open this wall because I feel like there's something in there. <laughs> yeah, no, hopefully some things maybe an ins- inspector can, can uh-huh. identify. But yeah, really, I mean, a lot of the stuff that's in the walls, like, yeah, you, you won't know. Just buy a new house is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Hope they do a good job. It's like when I saw a spider, I just burnt my old one down yeah. and <laughs> got a new one. <laughs> We had a storm a couple of weeks ago. This uh-huh. is kind of shifting away from fire, but uh, the carbon monoxide uh, detectors started going off, and that's something I don't think about mm-hmm. a whole lot either. What What's going on there? What are some ways to, to protect yourself from that potential danger? Um, if you do think something's going what what are some signs and symptoms maybe that something's going on? Talk yeah. to us through that. Yeah, that, that's an important one to have. And most, most new homes, I feel like now, they're they're mm-hmm. good about putting them in, but you definitely want to have – a few of those around because you know carbon monoxide it's odorless i mean mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not really going to know you have a leak um but some some things you may notice is maybe you're getting a little lightheaded headache dizziness um and so having those put in they, they recommend having one near the garage okay. so you know you get all that exhaust if it starts mm-hmm. coming in the home that gives you kind of an early warning um and then in in your hallways uh, you would think maybe you'd want it near things like your stove and, right yeah but those are going to emit a little bit anyway and it's not okay. enough that's going to really harm you gotcha. so having those too close by you're more they, likely going to set them off yeah. from time to time <laughs> so they don't they don't suggest you put them near those but mainly in hallways and mm-hmm. you know for the longest time it was thought well carbon monoxide is heavier than air so it's going to sink low so you want those down low by the bottom uh, but that's not the case it's it's actually just a little bit lighter than air so it, it's gonna it's gonna rise and it's coming from usually a heated source so it's gonna be heated air so it's it's gonna make it rise more so that's where having those detectors that are that are actually two in one they can do smoke and and co mm. those are good to have because they're gonna be up high already and then kind of kind of detect both for you 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you want to place them up high and then they at the end of your hallways by your bedrooms and then yeah definitely have one by that garage in case you're getting any of that exhaust backing up into the home it should it should alert you yeah. mm. oh, that's good so uh you'd mentioned that that y'all you know 80 percent of y'all's calls are medical calls um one of the other things that that we wanted to discuss was all right as as parents of of kids or young kids or whatever phase you're in what are what are some things? I mean, based on just your experience and what you've seen and, and and talking through that. Listen, it would be very helpful if if you had some at least minor training or hey, here are some things to do in case of X. And, and the things that come to my mind are, um, you know, like child childhood drownings. Um, uh, you know, if you have a pool or water anywhere near. I mean. We had um, my daughter, we put her in that infant swim and rescue course, which, you know, it's that one that you've seen where the like baby learns to flip mm-hmm. on its back mm-hmm. and float. Um, our instructor, she lost her, uh, one of her twins to drowning in a bathtub that was water was five inches deep. She ran to the kitchen to get something out of the oven, like got it out of the oven and came back. And, and it, that's the other thing that's, that's, um, I, to like a layman you don't really think about but how quickly damage can happen to a child right it's not necessarily oh hey they're in the water they're underwater for three and a half minutes and then but the inhalation of fluids and not knowing how to to get them out as well so as a parent what are some things like obviously you may not be an emt you may not be a doctor you may but what are some things that we can do to prepare ourselves for that or choking or whatever it may be I think the best thing is just, you know, the main two things that can be done at home are CPR mm-hmm. and then for choking, you know, Heimlich maneuver, or if it's a, an infant being able to flip them on their, on their stomach, mm-hmm. doing the back blows. Um, but just refreshing yourself on, on those things with, with CPR, really all we want people to focus on mm-hmm. is mainly the chest compressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not, uh, the mouth to mouth thing they're is really not, not about the rescue breaths anymore. Yeah. It's found that you just we just have to keep the blood flowing. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be fully oxygenated. Just keep it flowing until until we can get there right. and then take it from there. But compressions are the main thing that's gonna help mm-hmm. help bring someone back. So but knowing yeah, I mean knowing how deep to push, you know, how fast. Mm-hmm. And that's something that it's pretty easy to find. You can find a CPR class, a refresher course. Yeah. But doing something like that just uh, you know, every year, every couple of years just is it's yeah. probably pretty important because it's not Luckily, it's not a skill that you have to use that often. Yeah. So, so any chance you get to just you know yeah. remind yourself how to do it and and prepare for that is I know important. As a parent, I mean, what better insurance policy, right? Can you invest in? Because if you don't have that insurance, I mean, it could be devastating on the other side of it. So I totally agree. And again, with the resources out there, and I'm not saying hey, go learn how to do CPR on YouTube, but the more you do know, the more exposure to it. So in that scenario. You don't panic. You're like, okay, hey, I know that I've got, you know, got, I've got to do compressions at this rate, at this hard, um, you know, with this much force, whatever it may be. Because, like you said, the more, um, the more you can do to keep the blood flowing in the event, you know, a, a child stops breathing, the more you can do to keep that blood flowing. Because, for example, for us, it will, t- it would probably take a minimum of 25 minutes or so for the fire department to get to our house, just based on where we live. Yeah. And so to think about that, if they stop breathing and we don't do anything in between that 25 minutes, 
it's catastrophic. And so what, what we can do to fill that gap before EMT, the paramedics get there to be able to either resuscitate or incubate whatever you do in the, in those scenarios. So, um, and yeah, so early intervention is, is huge, but at the same time, it's also important for early notification, mm -hmm. you know, um, whether it be EMS or fire, what, what you see a lot of times is people trying to solve the problem, which is good, but then forgetting to call yeah. someone. Mm -hmm. And so by the time they, they realize, oh, I can't fix the problem I need to call. Mm -hmm. Well, now, you know, we've, we've lost a lot of valuable time yeah. and that's just, you know, helping the outcome, you know, not come out so well. When you call, um, Obviously, there's emotions, there's fear, there's all of that. But coach, just coach our, our, our listeners on, okay, how do, what is the most efficient way to deliver the message? Like, what do you need to say to the 911? The first thing they're going to ask you is your address. Yeah. And that and that's something that parents need to understand is you need to make sure your kids that I was, that's, that was going to be my next, that was yeah. going to be my next, a because point. a lot of them probably couldn't tell you what it yeah. is. And that's the very first question. Now, luckily with technology nowadays, like they can track your phone. It, it's usually going to be from a cell phone. They can ping it and, and have a pretty good idea of, of mm -hmm. where you are. Mm -hmm. um, but on the off chance, that's not the case. Like yeah. kids, kids need to be able to cite their address. Yeah. And that way they can get someone at least headed in the right direction. Yes. Um, so knowing that, and then obviously knowing how to call 911 and then going over what's an acceptable reason to call, what's not an acceptable reason to call. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we deal too much nowadays with, you know, with the prank calls, calls yeah, and, yeah. and the stuff, but, but just stressing the importance. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, building that confidence in your yeah. kids so that they're, they're not afraid to call. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that was literally, I was like, as I was saying that, I was like, do my kids know what to say? They know our cell phone numbers because we're really, you know, and my wife especially is very much like, okay, you need to know our cell phone number. So if we get, you know, separated or something, you know our cell phone. So all of our kids know our cell phone. I don't think that for sure the twins will not would not know our address. So what happens if something happens to me, like, you know, with the tractor or something like that, and I, and I, whatever, and I can't call. And the only people that are there are my six-year-old. Like, do they have the ability? We've never talked about that. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point. Great point. Yeah. Talk about five and oh, six is probably, it's probably about where yeah. they're going to be able to do that and got to start it. And something else a lot of people don't think about is everyone's got their phone locked with a passcode. Mm -hmm. Might not be a bad idea for your kids to know. Yeah. How to do the emergency but, or point. the emergency call too, right? Because yeah. don't, iPhone, at least iPhones, right? You've got the emergency deal. So teaching them how to do oh, that. Because yeah. I think you touch that. the button like three times or something like that. Yeah. What, what's scary about this conversation is everything you're saying should be mostly common sense or mostly, but I'm sitting here thinking about all the things that I have not covered. Now, again, my six-year-old is my oldest, so he's just now yeah. starting to be that age. But still, like the simple as telling what my phone code lock is, right? I, yeah. that, that's never come up. We've never talked about what do you do. In, a, in fact, I don't even remember why we were talking about it, but the other night was the first time we've had a fire conversation with them when we were laying in bed. And so all these things that you're talking about, it's not rocket science. It's But for whatever reason, I just don't put any importance on it. It's just not a I should Because, yeah, you, don't, you just don't ever assume you're right. going to have to deal with it. And most people don't, luckily. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, on the off chance that, that you find yourself in a situation where you do – Having gone over this stuff, man, it, it makes a world of difference. And we talk about all the time, you know, 
serving your community, serving your family, being a leader. This is a simple way to be a leader in your household is by covering these things and, and being a leader in your community. Uh, another basic thing I want you to go over, if you don't mind, is like a preparedness box, perhaps, you know, flashlights, emergency lines, something like what are some good things to have in a, in a preparation, maybe first aid kit? What are some good things to have in a preparation box in case something does go down, you know, fire, storm, something like that? Yeah, I, I think you pretty much nailed it. Just having having some flashlights on hand, batteries, uh, that kind of stuff. First aid kit is always really good. Um, something most people probably don't have in their first aid kit, would, which we would suggest would be a tourniquet. Because, mm. um, again, that's something where early intervention, yeah. that, that that's going to make a world of difference. Everything else, you're kind of limited on what you can do. But for if there's a serious bleed that you can stop right away, having that tourniquet there to throw on, it, it it's a huge makes yeah. a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So having something like that in there, um, we recommend having some sort of fire safe where you can keep all your, your important documents, things like that inside the home. That's going to help prevent them from getting damage from whether it be smoke, fire, or, or the water that we're using. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a big thing too. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of, you know, personal preference on, mm-hmm. on the, on the supplies for, for things like that. But as long as you've got some of those basic things, especially with that, that first aid kit, some stuff, then, then you'll be in a good spot. Talk us through, we're in North Texas um, and, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Tornado Alley, right? So we get extreme storms. Talk through maybe, we have so many people moving in and, and, and us included, we never, growing up, never dealt with storms like this. And so we were that family that was like, you know, all huddled up in the pantry and there's like glass all above us, you know, and it's like, what yeah. is going on? But like, maybe talk through some of the things that you've seen and that you've learned, like, okay, look, prepare for a storm, like whether it be wearing a bike helmet or shoes or what, what is, what are some things to like, as you're preparing for those? Yeah. This, types is, of this is where you should have brought Rachel in. You know, she, she's the weather nut. She, every time. That's true. She has these apps that I'm like, what, what is this? She's like, Oh, this dude, she like follows these like weather specialists on. Like, oh, yeah. And, and like the stuff that they're predicting, like, the last snowstorm, she like two weeks before goes, Hey, it's snowing in two weeks. And I'm looking at it and it's like, Rachel, it's supposed to be 76 degrees. What are you talking about? And I like gave her such a bad time. And literally it, we had the ice storm. And I was like, how the hell? She goes, well, this dude, and you were saying this dude, and I was like, oh, okay. So anyways, you're right. No, and every time we'd, we'd buy a new home, she would make it a point to go, okay, there's that's where we get in the event of a tornado. Like, that was always a big wow. deal to her. And yeah. so she's, Good for I don't her. know if it's, if it's fear yeah. or, or what, but actually the only two times that I can think of recently where we've had mm-hmm. a warning and they kind of had to take cover. Of course, I'm on duty. Like yeah. it, it always works out that way. Always. So she's yeah. sending me a picture of them. They're in the closet. They've all got bike helmets on they got their ipads she's trying to keep them calm and uh-huh. um, but yeah i mean find find you a room somewhere in the center that's away from the exterior walls mm-hmm. uh bathrooms work well because you can kind of anchor yourself in that that bathtub mm-hmm. or to a, a toilet something mm-hmm. that's got piping mm-hmm. um and then helmets mm-hmm. or if you want to cover yourself up with like a mattress or some or something that you can get on top of you to prevent mm-hmm. anything heavy Debris. from falling on yeah. you um yeah, that, that's very super important. Yeah. yeah, we talked about it last week, Tyler. You took that next step and built built out a little little safe room for yourself yeah. and yeah. shelter room. So yeah, and that's it. Look, and not everybody has the opportunity for that, um, but if you do, that is something that's just given my family so much peace. Yeah. Right? It, it's just been it's been a game changer, and 
we've been in it twice since we had it put in like two months ago. Yeah. So it's uh, and again nothing. I mean, tornadoes have touched down and damaged homes. Yeah, I guess twice in the last year. Like it's touched down in in, in Salina, like a couple of neighborhoods over from us. So it was close. I mean, it wasn't like immediate danger, but again, just the amount of peace that it, that it gives yeah. you. I think I think today's theme and this whole series theme is just thinking about yeah. things that you don't yeah. think about. Yeah. <laughs> as, as dumb as that sounds, yeah. it's you got so many worries in your life, right? I want to keep my kids safe, and I want to you know make sure they do well in school. And there's just so many things going on in your mind, but it's the simple stuff, everyday stuff mm-hmm. that we can do in our home to be good leaders, be good parents, and take care of really truly take care of our kids. Mm-hmm. And that's my biggest take home is is this the preparation of having these conversations, don't make assumptions that your kids will know what to do yeah. or where to go. You have to have these discussions and practice it, right? Yeah. That's another thing is talk about it, but actually walk through it. And it may feel weird, yeah. right? It may feel... The kids actually <laughs> would love it. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sure I, I can fun. imagine, right? Yeah. That, but like, but actually kids, practice it. Yeah. yeah, actually actually go through the steps because, again, you don't want to... <laughs> the first time you're going through something to be the actual emergency and the actual right. situation where you need it. Right. Well, when you practice, you could like light your curtains on fire. So it's, it's like real life scenario, <laughs> like a simulation. I may stick with the pots and pans. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just chaos training. <laughs> but yeah, just, it's not, it just cost you 30 or 40 grand. But <laughs> And it's not something you have to do every single day. Right. right. You know, like we said, once you go over it, just refreshing every once sure. in a while. Yeah. And, and just that alone, yeah, is just going to give you such a peace of mind. Mm-hmm. That's going to help them feel more confident. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have a couple of mine. My girls are a little more on the, the anxious side. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, going over this stuff with them makes a world of difference because now in their minds, okay, we have a plan. Yeah. We're a little bit safer yeah. than we were before. Yeah. yeah, imagine how much anxiousness you can you can help solve by having a plan being prepared. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. anxiousness comes from a lack of preparation. Mm-hmm. And so just having those discussions, think about what they can do for your kids and easing their mind. Yeah, I and mean, there's definitely a difference between talking about it because that's when kids' minds go wild, right? Like their imagination kicks mm-hmm. in and like worst-case scenario. But like physically, just like a couple times a year, right, is you actually walk through it. Okay, hey, look, here's a scenario. Fire's here. Go through here. Like then it's like, oh, okay, it's not that bad. Like I can get out fairly easily or fairly quickly. Or, hey, I know how to pop that screen out of my, mm-hmm. one story, my first story window. Like I'm not – totally freaking out because my kids are like i can't open the windows it was like they slide open bud no they they, they don't open it's like they do look oh and like you could just see him like grabbing the chair ready to throw it through just because they'd never opened them right we're Mm -hmm. me and 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 my wife are the only ones that ever open it Mm -hmm. and so they're just like i have no idea how to do this so yeah just another scenario of let your kids struggle a little let them figure it out right walk Mm -hmm. them through it hey figure this out i'm not gonna do it for you develop those problems solving Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's and, good. You know, something else too is when you do these drills, like actually activating the smoke detectors, it, it makes mm. a big difference. Cause you mm. think about it, that's not something they ever hear. They'll hear mm. the that's chirp, true. low battery chirp, yeah. but they, have they ever really heard it fully activate? Cause uh-huh. that, that can be a little rattling. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, we did it. I did it the other day on April Fool's yeah. to kind of mess <laughs> with them. And, uh, one it's not something nieces, to joke about, Chris. One of my nieces was there. <laughs> well, I mean, preparedness. Yeah, preparedness. preparedness. He, he was, it, it wasn't was April Fool's. It just happened to fall on April 1st. <laughs> April preparedness day. <laughs> April um, but I had a niece that was over, and so I hit the smoke detector. They all started going off. My kids, it didn't really phase them, huh. but my niece, she started freaking out, like yeah. crying, covering mm. her ear. Like, you just tell it, it's something she'd never experienced. Yeah. And so you could see the difference in the panic in one kid. Mm. <clears throat> 
and the calm in the other. And yeah. so, yeah, that's where you see the results of, of doing that stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Man, that's yeah. Good. No, that's Man, this awesome. has been awesome. This is again, so much stuff like, yes. and we've been friends for years and we talked to, there's so much stuff I learned today. I yeah. didn't even think the nine one one thing and teaching your kids. I, that's something I haven't even thought about. No, I mean, my older kids know to call nine one one, but I don't know if they'd be able to deliver a, a, a coherent direction. But to the point he made earlier, getting to the phone to be able yeah. to call them. They don't know my code yeah. and my wife. We don't have house phones anymore, right? right? No, I mean, very right. few. It's all yeah, cell phones. Few and far between. So, yeah. I, yeah or even don't. going to the next door neighbors. If you know, it's not a yeah. fire necessarily, but yeah. you know, maybe somebody collapsed or something going to the next door. Even even yeah. having a conversation yeah. about that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, good, it's again. I feel like I you know palm to the forehead here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's simple stuff, but it's, <laughs> and it's super important. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. that's good, man. Well, Chris, thank you so much for. Coming down today and, and spending part of your day off. Uh, you know, we got a game tonight. Maybe we'll see how these storms do. But uh, thank you, man. Honestly, yeah, I, I think this will this will make a huge impact to a lot of people. And, mm -hmm. and just I I can't encourage um, all of you listening right now to just don't don't just let this go. Like really do something about it. Like yeah, it's not hyperbole to say that this yeah. conversation will save lives. Yes, I, I know that for a fact. There will be a life saved because of conversations like this what, so is, what does hyperbole that. mean like being over dramatic right uh exaggeration doesn't right, it good. no i was just i think so i think that's what it means I was just testing don't give me an english lesson I knew, on, on. I, knew, I knew the answer i was just seeing if you knew the answer <laughs> yeah and i will add if, if you're looking to try to come up with some home plan or just don't know where to start like you can go to nfpa.org nfpa nfpa national okay. fire protection association and they have a whole home planning section uh, where they kind of talk about things to talk with your kids, mm, some ideas, and there's some good resources for if for people who are kind of looking at a place to start. That's yeah. nfpa.com. Yeah, dot and, org. And, dot org. Sorry, and, 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 yeah, it's 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 official if it's dot org. <laughs> so it, you know they know what organization. About. Yeah, but no, that's good. And 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 I'm I'm assuming that through there maybe there's products that they can say okay, hey, like the fire blanket or things like that. If you're looking at like equipping your home with things that help you in preparedness that you, you may be able to find it through there. Just Google it. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's like anything though, right? You can have all the knowledge in the world, yeah. but if you don't apply it, you yeah. don't put it into action. It's no good. So yeah, exactly. this has been great, man. This awesome. has been a great wake up call for me. So appreciate you so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it was fun, man. I love it. All right. Well, Hey, appreciate y'all for joining us today. Share uh, this one for sure. Share it yeah. for sure. Share it with, with your friends uh, that have kids um, share it with your friends that don't have kids because, mm -hmm. again, you never know. I mean, you talk about the carbon monoxide detectors, smoke detectors, um, uh, first aid kits. I mean, they're every applies to everybody. So yeah. make sure just share this out there. We appreciate you all. Um, Sorry, one last thing. Oh, yeah. Because, and I know you don't. Get, he always has to get the last word <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah. I literally is, was closing the show. This is important. <laughs> this is important. And maybe you're going here, so I apologize if you were. But it, No, I was literally <laughs> ending the show. I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> I know you don't do it for the praise or for the honor, but seriously, thank you for your service. Thank you for all you know, all your teammates. Y'all don't get enough credit at all. Firemen, police officers, p public servants don't get enough praise. Mm. Um, so I just want you to know that we appreciate you. Our community appreciates you mm -hmm. and, and, and all your um, all your teammates because uh, it's thank it's you. a we, very we love what we do. yeah it's I mean, underappreciated. Any job. of them that we'll all tell you it's the best job in the world. Yeah, yeah. we all love what we do. No, no, thank you so it. much. I wasn't going there, so thank you for yeah. doing that. I apologize. I look like an a hole now. <laughs> <laughs> I was ending it without, just taking without all the information. thanking him. <laughs> when I make we make our kids every police officer and firefighter they see we every time thank you for your service That's awesome. every time and here I am 
not leading by example. <laughs> All right, Chris, man, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, everybody.